My sisters and brothers, I am so glad to be with you on this last weekend of the year. And as is my custom, I want to give honor to God, and I want to give thanks to our pastor, the Reverend Dr. Howard John Wesley, for this opportunity to stand before you today. It is a privilege and a responsibility I do not take lightly. Our scripture lesson for today comes from the book of Genesis. So turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 18. I want to read the first 15 verses. Genesis 18, 1 through 15. The Lord appeared to him by the terebinths of Mamre. He was sitting at the entrance of the tent as the day grew hot. Looking up, he saw three men standing near him. As soon as he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to greet them and bowing to the ground said, my lords, if it please you, do not go on past your servant. Let a little water be brought, bathe your feet and recline under the tree. Let me fetch a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and then go on seeing that you have come your servant's way. They replied, do as you have said. Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three measures of choice flour, knead and make cakes. And then Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and choice and gave it to the servant boy who hastened to prepare it. He took curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. And he waited on them under the tree as they ate. They said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he replied, there in, in the tent. Then one said, I will return to you next year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. Sarah had stopped having the periods of women. And Sarah laughed to herself saying, now, now that I am withered, am I to have enjoyment with my husband so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, shall I in truth bear a child old as I am? Is anything too wondrous for the Lord? I will return to you at the same season next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah lied, saying, I did not laugh, because she was afraid. But he replied, you did laugh. The story of the children of Israel begins with Abraham in chapter 12. In this story, God calls Abraham to a promise. God calls Abraham to leave behind what he has for what God has in front of him, that he will be the father of a great nation, that he will have a land, and that he will be a blessing and be blessed. And the Bible tells us that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Abraham picked up and packed up and took on the life of a semi-nomad. 
Now, a semi-nomad is a, a person who has no permanent home, someone who lives in temporary housing all the time. And semi-nomads will move to a location and settle there for a season until it's time to pack up and move to another location and settle for a season and then pack up again to move to another location. Semi-nomads semi have a, a, a circuit often or a pattern that there are certain areas or locales that they will go to at specific times of the year that they might go to a place that has extra water and shade as the, the months get warmer. And they might go to a more Southern climate when it gets colder. Semi-nomads move to where they can find sustenance. And this whole semi-nomadic life is not just a practice, it's, it's a culture. There are rules, there's a code of ethics, there are behaviors. People have to figure out how to share space and take care of their flocks. You have to figure out the rules for approaching a well. And if you think about it, there are places in the Bible that refer to just these things. But one of the most important rules for semi-nomads is around hospitality. Hospitality is really important in the Bible. And it's because it comes out of this semi-nomadic culture. So one of the reasons that hospitality is so important is environmental. Remember, the people live in a hostile environment. They eke out their existence in spaces that are not conducive to life. And so one of the codes of the semi-nomadic semi culture is that when a stranger comes your way, you will offer safe space. You will offer refuge and provide food because who knows when the last time was that they were able to have a good meal. When was the last time they were able to wash their feet or have a time to just sit back and relax? In the Bible, the Israelites are instructed to offer hospitality because they must remember that they once were strangers. And so every time they offer hospitality, they are showing their gratitude for God's provision over their lives. Hospitality also has um, this practical um, component to it, and that is that strangers sometimes come specifically to bring news. Sometimes a stranger um, comes and that person turns out to be a messenger sent by an extended family member to let the folks who are on the move know what's going on with their relatives. Or perhaps a messenger is coming to warn a community about marauders or thieves that are moving around. And so in chapter 18, when Abraham looks up and sees people coming his way, he snaps to attention and springs into action because he knows the hospitality code. He knows how to follow the protocol. He knows all the customs. And so Abraham does it just right. He, he greets them and he's very deferential. He, he bows down and calls them Lord. He uses all the polite language and he says things like, let me get you a little water to wash your feet. Let me 
get you a morsel to eat. When he says that, that's kind of like when you go to your aunt's house and she says, child, let me go back in that pantry and see what I can scrounge up for you. And you know you are about to have a life-changing meal. And that is exactly what Abraham does. All right? The text in this passage kind of plays with time because on one hand, it has Abraham rushing and rushing and rushing and you get this sense of everything hurrying. But think about it. There were no microwaves then. All of this preparation takes time. So there's a rushing and a waiting and a rushing and a waiting. And he finally gets the food out and he serves. And then the text says he waited on them. Now, I want you to pause with me for a moment and come with me to that moment where Abraham is waiting because it's a moment full of possibility. Abraham waits. In the text, Abraham waits. But Abraham has been waiting for decades. All right? He's been in a waiting room ever since God called him over 25 years ago. He's been in this state of expectation. He's in that that Zoom waiting room waiting for somebody to admit him finally. Ever since God made that promise, he's been looking for its fulfillment. So there is this, this kind of separation between what he aspires to and where he is. He's a, he's a semi-nomad who's trying to get to the promised land, to the land of promise. He and Sarah are childless, but they're supposed to be this great nation. He's trying to realize the blessing of God. He wants to move his prayers from please, Lord, to thank you, Jesus. He wants to stop singing, I'm looking for a miracle. And he wants to sing something like a change. A change has come over me. He wants to get out of the space that he's in, into that space over there. Abraham wants to get out of 2020. There are There are two kinds of hunger. There is the hunger that you have because you don't have enough to eat. And there's the hunger that you have when you have enough, but it's not satisfying. Abraham has a hunger that has been induced by the promise of God. He has a longing because now he knows there is more. And so in that moment when he's standing under the tree, He is waiting. Is there news? Is this another word from the God, from God? Maybe he senses that these people are more than three ordinary strangers. And then, perhaps as they take that last bite, here comes the question. Where is your wife, Sarah? Where is your wife, Sarah? Can we just pause for a minute and count the ways in which this question is peculiar? First of all, in the ancient Near Eastern world, you can offer strangers hospitality, but they're not supposed to speak about or to your wife. Secondly, why do you need 
to know where Sarah is? And finally, how do they even know her name? What happened that would have caused them to know her name? The question, where is she, is peculiar. But Abraham answers, she's in the tent. And now in this moment, we know these are not ordinary strangers because here is the word. I will definitely return next year. I will definitely come back and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. In this very brief exchange, we now realize that these messengers are not ordinary and that God has a message for the wife. Over the course of Abraham's life, God has made promises to Abraham. God showed up in chapter 12, made a promise. God showed up in chapter 15, made a promise. God shows up in chapter 17, still here, same promise. But when the messengers come in chapter 18, they want to know where Sarah is. Not because they don't know where Sarah is, but they want her to know. They want Abraham to know this message is for her. Next year, this time, you will have a new situation. Next year, this time, you will have a child. Next season, in this place, there will be a son. After all of the waiting, after season after season of uncertainty, here comes a promise with a timestamp. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen next time this year. Next year this time, Sarah's going to have a child. And Sarah laughed. And I think that was a pretty appropriate response. Because if you take a moment to think about it, more often than not, the promises of God and the plans of God make absolutely no sense. God calls us to do things that are seemingly impossible, unreasonable, unfathomable, unpopular, and if you had a moment to think about it, you might just laugh. God calls the Israelites unarmed to take down the mighty walls of the well-fortified city of Jericho by sending out the praise team. God calls a skinny teenager from the fields of tending sheep to slay a giant that the army of Israel is terrified of. God calls Gideon, who is hiding, to be the leader of God's army. God calls Deborah, a woman sitting under a tree trying to mind her business, to come and lead people into battle. God does things that are laughable. God calls old, old, old people to have a child. There's something about what God calls us to do that is laughable. And that may be why Sarah laughed. But things as I read this text, I suspect Sarah's laugh came from somewhere else. I think Sarah's laugh is sarcastic. It's a laugh that has pain in it 
that comes from so many disappointments. Sometimes we laugh as a defense mechanism because it simply hurts to have hope. Maybe Sarah hears those words and says, I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm tired of my husband coming home. Tell me what God told him. I'm tired of the whole shebang. We've been out here going from place to place to place, picking up, packing up all my stuff, following this man around from some, for some promise. And the only thing that seems to be happening is that I'm getting older and that I am literally withering up. So now you want to come and tell me about what's going to happen next year. Where were you last year? Where were you last month? Where were you 25 years ago? Where were you before I lost my hope? I think Sarah's laugh comes from death and disappointment and more time and death and disappointment and more time. Sarah laughs because it hurts to simply receive the hope that God is giving her. And the angel of God comes to say, listen here, Sarah, I understand that you want to laugh. Laugh if you want to, laugh if you must, but you must understand that the joke is on you. You see, no matter how you slice it, God is always going to have the last laugh. Think about it. Sarah laughs. The word itself, Tzahak, is the root of the name of her child, Yitzhak. So Sarah laughs inside, Sahak inside. And in that laughter, God begins a work so that what can be birthed from her is the promise of God. God will work it out. God will have the last word. God will have the last laugh. So to all of those Sarahs out there who are afraid to hope and have to laugh in defense, it's okay. But remember who will have the last laugh. The message that comes to Sarah, that God has for Sarah, happens in such a way that Abraham is there to witness it. Now let's think about that for a moment. God made the promise to Abraham in chapter 12 and God keeps showing up and making the promise to Abraham. And so far as we can tell, Abraham is trying to do everything he can to live into the promise of God. In this passage, he's so busy running around trying to get it right. You get the impression that he's almost trying to earn the blessing of God. Some of us see what God has for us, but it's, it's over there somewhere. And so we've told ourselves sometimes if, if I do something, maybe I can trigger God's, God's goodness. Maybe I can unlock it. Maybe it's like a video game. And if I get enough coins, I can get to the next level. Somehow I can do something to unleash the promise of God. And I think that part of the reason that the angel of God comes to Abraham in this moment is because God wants Abraham to recognize the promise will come 
not because of what you do. The promise will come because I keep my word. God needs Sarah's husband to realize the promise will come because of who I am and the promise will involve more than you. Think about this. The fulfillment of God's promise will require the woman who is inside the tent and the man who is outside the tent. In other words, God wants wants to use the people who are in the front and the people who are in the back. The people who are at the top and the people who are at the bottom. It doesn't matter. Those with titles, those without. Those with uh, social etiquette and those without. Those who know the proper cues and those who have not a clue. God wants to use everyone. And this lesson for Abraham is important because some of us have the experience of being called and we carry it like a burden. We know that God is calling us to service and so we find ourselves running around trying to do everything. We have every T crossed and every I dotted and we're exhausted and getting nowhere. And the message in this text says, check this out, Abraham. Pay attention to what's behind the tent flap. What's behind the tent flap is a part of God's promise. Sisters and brothers, let me tell you, one of the reasons I just love the Bible is because even after you unpack the message that God has for Sarah and the message that God has for Abraham, there's another message just in the very structure of the text. I want to invite you for just a moment to think about where Abraham and Sarah are when this whole thing happens. Um, The story starts out by telling us that Abraham and Sarah were by the Oaks of Mamre. So we have a sense of where they were on their semi-nomadic circuit. It tells us that Abraham is at the opening of the tent. That's where he is at the beginning of the story. At the end of the story, we have Sarah behind the tent flap. They are in their respective places based on their status and their roles in their culture. They are at home. They're doing what people do when you are Abraham and Sarah and semi-nomads. They were as they were. They were as they were. And the Lord appeared to them. They were doing what they always do. And God showed up. In that first verse, it says, the Lord appeared and Abraham saw. Later on, we hear the Lord spoke and then Abraham responded. I want you to look at this passage and ask who is acting and who is being acted upon. Who's generating the action? Who's receiving the action? God came to them. And it wasn't the first time. God came to them to say, I am here to tell you something that you have heard before. I am coming to you today in this space, in this difficult space, in this difficult season of longing and loss and anxiety and disappointment and frustration and grief. God is coming into this space to say, I know where you are 
and I am a God who keeps my promises. I will certainly return to you in due time. Abraham, I know how hard you've worked. I know how hard you have tried to keep it together and keep everybody else together and make sure that we were all going to be okay. I know how hard you've worked. Sarah, I hear your laughter. I know that laughter that comes from pain of disappointment and loss and wondering if God heard you. And God says to God's children, Abraham and Sarah and every single one of us, I will certainly do the thing that I have promised to do in your life. Sisters and brothers, the God who created order out of chaos is calling us to imagine anew. Imagine based not on what we've experienced, but imagine based on God's word. That we place our faith and our confidence in the promises of God. And the good news for us today is even when we fall short, even when we can't hold it together, God's word will find us. Just like God's word came to Abraham and Sarah behind the tent flap. God's word, God's promise will find its way to you. I love the, the end of the 23rd Psalm, right? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that word, follow me, is radaf. It actually means pursue. Surely, goodness and mercy will pursue me. Surely, goodness and mercy will hunt me down. God's promise will stalk you until it finds you. Because that's who God is. Next year, this time, is a phrase that many of us have used to cope with this difficult period. This is a really difficult Thanksgiving, but next year this time, this was a disappointing graduation, but next year this time, and we say that having no idea what next year is gonna bring. We have no idea, but we do know that we can begin to imagine ourselves into the future that God has for us. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too wonderful for God? Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are able to do anything and that the promises of your word and the promises over our lives and the calls that you have on our lives will pursue us and find us. Help us, God, to be open to hearing what you have to say. Help us to be open to laughing at the wonder of what you want to do. And we pray, God, that that laughter will find its way into us and be birthed into what you have for our future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Sadly, we've come to the end of another worship service, but my prayer is that again, that you not only enjoyed worship, but were blessed, that you felt the spirit move, that the word of God will equip and empower you for the week that awaits. You know, it's this holiday season as a kid, we would never leave any gift under the tree unopened. But sadly, God has given us the gift of Christ and so many people have not opened that gift into their life. If you're one of them and you desire to receive that awesome gift of grace that God provides in Jesus Christ, I want you to do me a favor. Shoot us an email to deacons, with an S, at alfredstreet.org. Deacons at alfredstreet.org. And we will gladly share with you the gift God has prepared. If you're looking to become a member of a church and you're not connected to a family of faith, wherever you may be in the World Wide Web, Alpha Street is available and open to you. You can simply go out to our website. You'll find information where you can fill in the blanks and tell us a little bit about you. And we'll reach out to you and connect you with our family of faith. As we get ready to leave, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Please subscribe to all of our social media platforms. Watch us on YouTube. Be faithful in the giving of God as God will move upon your heart to do so. And pray for the leadership of this church family that we might continue to be good stewards of the gifts of God. And now, to the Almighty, the All-Wise, the Eternal, the Sovereign, the Omnipotent God, who alone is creator of heaven and earth, to the God who's made himself perfectly known to us, and Jesus who alone is our Christ, our loving Lord, our sacrificial Savior, our resurrected, risen, reigning, returning Redeemer, to the God who chooses to dwell in these earthen vessels of clay, through the sustaining power, promise, presence, purpose, and person of the Holy Spirit, to that all-wise God be both glory and majesty, dominion and power, from now until eternity. And the redeemed of the Lord who loved the Lord and awaited his return, said amen.